The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Good evening! You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 14, Episode 4. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, and this episode will have me performing four tales to terrify you, courtesy of authors H.K. Reyes, Brandon Wills, Eli Pope, and Dale Thompson. Tonight, we'll hear stories of rotten reflections, criminal cravings, addictive attitudes, and lethal lunches. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two spine-tingling stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the tear, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show's about to begin. <laughs> Well, folks, this time of year, there are folks who like to give thanks, and by doing so, they spent a good portion of the day stuffing themselves like there was no tomorrow. And so, tonight, we're going to indulge ourselves a little on some tales we can really sink our teeth into. We start off our evening with a delightful aperitif from H.K. Reyes, Something to whet our appetite and prepare us for what lies ahead. It's a cautionary tale, to be sure, 
of a mysterious antique and of being careful of what you wish for, because you just might get it. And I, of course, mean that in all senses of the phrase. Without further ado, I present to you The Devouring Mirror. That one's very special, said the old man running the antique shop. Emily looked up from her phone to see a large baroque mirror with a gilded frame of carved flowers. The late afternoon sunlight that shone through the storefront glittered over the frame, making the flowers appear to throb and writhe on the wall. The spotless circle of glass reflected Emily's body back to her. A wispy black hair, round pensive face, baggy blue sweatshirt, threadbare jeans with holes near the pockets. Her nose twitched at how ridiculous she looked, encircled in flowers on this tacky thing. It's perfect, her mother said. Isn't it, Em? Emily said nothing. She refreshed her feet on her phone and scrolled down to the picture she'd posted some hours ago, a carefully edited selfie with her acne digitally removed and her cheeks and chin warped to appear slimmer. No likes or no comments, still. It'll look wonderful in your room, her mother said. Brighten things up a bit in there. She gave a sheepish little smile to the old man behind the counter, as though she were apologizing for something. I've been trying to redecorate and improve the ambiance in there. You know how teenagers get. Doom and gloom, even when they don't have anything serious to complain about. The old man's smile was warm, and his faintly yellow teeth gleamed behind his thin gray lips. I think the world can be a harsh place for a young person today. The mother scoffed. Well, to hear this one tell it, you'd think she'd suffered as much as Mother Teresa. She tilted her head back and let out a high rolling laugh, a laugh that Emily knew well. It meant that her mother was only kidding, and that anyone who took offense to her words was simply too sensitive. Emily's phone buzzed. A cute boy from her French class had left a comment on her photo. She swiped it open excitedly, but her shoulders slumped when she saw that it was just a pig emoji. This mirror has quite a history, the shopkeeper said, shuffling out from behind the counter in a pair of black slippers. It belonged to a wealthy Romanian gentleman in the 18th century who cherished it above all his other possessions. Even as his fortune dwindled to nothing, he refused to sell it. He's said to have spent hours sitting before the glass, contemplating its depths. Apparently, he developed some rather curious beliefs with regard to the mirror. He was convinced it had been enchanted with great power. Emily smirked, but when she looked up from her phone, she saw the old man was entirely serious. According to his letters, he believed that he could see things within the mirror more than simply his reflection. He was convinced the mirror could fulfill certain desires of his. The mother opened her purse. Well, no need to worry about that. M fulfills her desires enough as it is. She patted Emily's round belly, hidden within the folds of a sweatshirt. And Emily swatted her away with an annoyed grunt. The mother laughed again and fished for her wallet in her purse. Emily moved away from the counter, her face flushed with anger and embarrassment. She turned to glare at the back of her mother's head, but an odd feeling of unease floated through her. Her gaze drifted toward the mirror. Her conscious mind grasped for an explanation as to why she felt so anxious all of a sudden. But all it could come up with was the absurd notion that whenever she looked away from the mirror, her reflection would look away just a bit more slowly like it was trying to stare at her a moment longer. Don't you think two servings is enough already, Em? Her mother called down the hall. Emily pulled the door shut to her room and slumped into her creaking desk chair. She set down her dinner plate with a heavy glass clunk. She glared at herself in the ugly mirror that was now hanging over her desk. No, she thought to herself, not tonight. She opened her laptop and played a video, trying to ignore the cold, aching pressure gathering in her chest. Two servings is enough. I'm not even hungry anymore. It should be enough. It isn't. 
She glared at the plate of undercooked spaghetti with its sticky coating of cold tomato sauce. It's not even any good, she thought. It's gross. I hate it. I don't want it. But the cold, oppressive pain pressed down on her chest, pressed until it seemed to suck the air right out of her lungs. She slammed her laptop shut, snatched the plate, and shoved pasta into her mouth. She tasted nothing, eating only for the temporary relief it brought from the pain. Even then, the food was hardly relief at all, just a single stone removed from a great heap under which she had been buried. She set the bowl down and pressed her palms into her eyes. A few tears leaked out, but she held her breath, stifling the urge to sob. She didn't need her mother bursting in to lecture her on how good her life was. You're pathetic, she thought to herself. Pathetic and fat and ugly and awful. She lifted her head to say those words out loud. She saw that her reflection was smiling at her. She gasped. Terror flashed through her, and her legs became slabs of frozen iron. She couldn't move, couldn't scream. The reflection touched its finger to its lips. Its smile held no malice, no hostility. Kindness and warmth radiated from its deep brown eyes, which, unlike Emily's, had a slight reddish tinge to them that made them seem brighter and more lively than her own. Emily felt her fear leaving her in slow pulses. She raised her hand, its fingers barely peeking from the sleeve of her sweatshirt, and she waved. The reflection girl giggled silently and waved back. Emily swallowed to moisten her throat. "'What are you?' she whispered. The reflection brought its hand to its chin in a cartoonish show of thinking. It shrugged and giggled. "'What do you want?' The reflection licked its lips and rubbed its belly. "'You're hungry?' It nodded emphatically. "'Well, I have some... some food here. Do you want that?' The girl in the mirror nodded eagerly. It reached out with both hands for the plate of pasta on its side of the mirror. Ignoring the fork, it scooped up a big handful, opened its mouth much wider than Emily could, and ate it. Emily's plate didn't move, but the portion that had been eaten disappeared in a puff of purplish smoke. Emily watched, eyes white-rimmed and shining in amazement, as the food vanished from her plate with the girl's every bite. Before long, the reflection had finished the meal, and Emily's plate was empty, save for a slick purple residue on the surface. The reflection leaned back, patted its belly with its sauce-covered hands, and belched silently. Emily stared at the empty plate on her desk. It's gone, she said. It's gone, and I feel full. No, that wasn't quite right. Physically, she could tell she hadn't actually eaten anything, but she had tasted every bite the reflection had taken, and there was a profound sense of satisfaction in her heart, as though some spiritual appetite within her had been sated, even if her body had not. The reflection leaned forward and, with a hand dripping in sauce, wrote on the glass, More! Emily jumped from her seat and ran to the kitchen. Her mother called down the hallway. Dessert, too? Em, you're never going to meet any boys unless you start taking better care of your... Emily slammed her door and dumped an armful of candy, chips, and ice cream on the desk. The reflection ate voraciously, ripping packages open with its teeth, shoveling sweets and snacks into its gaping mouth by the fistful. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. By midnight, both Emily and her reflection were slumped over, exhausted on their desks. The reflection's belly, now round and distended, rose and fell with every labored breath. Emily felt full to bursting, even as her stomach growled. That was amazing, Emily said. It was like eating, but not eating. So I don't have to feel bad about it. The reflection laughed in a potato chip, fleck uh, spattered against the inside of the glass. She lifted her finger and wrote in a smear of grease and melted ice cream, I will eat for you, so you become beautiful. Why are you being so nice to me? Because you, I... Saying, Emily slept soundly that night, feeling that life was about to become very different. Night after night, Emily brought her dinner to her room and watched her reflection devour it all. She would pile her plate with as much as it could hold, and the girl in the mirror would eat and eat until its belly looked ready to split open. Yet it never seemed to be satisfied. Every night, with a hand coated in grease or sauce, it would write on the mirror, more. And every night, Emily would feed it again. No longer in desire of food for herself, Emily began to lose weight. The roundness in her face pulled inward, like a blueberry shriveling in the sun. Her waist shrank. Her limbs became long, thin poles, and her fingers were as spindly as spider legs. Where she once dreaded stepping onto a scale, she now looked forward to it as her favorite part of the day. She bought one for her room and placed it right in front of the mirror so she could track the dwindling number and celebrate milestones with her reflection. She ditched the hoodies and baggy t-shirts for slim dresses, fitted jeans, and crop tops. Boys who'd ignored or mocked her since childhood began to take notice. They flirted with her, or tried to, in their clumsy and awkward way. She could sense how nervous they were when they spoke to her, how eager yelping for her attention like puppies. She could sense the power she had over them, and she liked it. Not all the attention was pleasant. Some of the girls became rude and nasty, especially the ones whose boyfriends cast glances in her direction. They spread wild, obscene rumors. That whore, they would say. Did you hear what she did with Mr. Blackwell in the equipment room behind the gym? It's true. Stella saw everything. Sometimes the girls were so mean that Emily would race home and cry at her desk. Her reflection, now enormously fat, would fog up the mirror with its breath and write with a thick, stubby finger, just jealous. Yes, jealous. Emily knew it was only jealousy that motivated the cruelty of the other girls, just as it had been jealousy that drove Ms. Cobb to hold her back after biology class one day. I'm very concerned for your health, she said. Poor nutrition can have serious consequences on your body. I want you to know that you're not alone, and I'm here to support you and help you find healthy ways to blah, blah, blah. Emily had rolled her eyes and walked out. Some nights, as the mirror girl was chopping down its food, a pang of true hunger would strike Emily like a bullet, and she would feel the urge to eat something real. But whenever she reached for a bite... The mirror girl would nip at its own finger, and Emily would feel it. Yes, she's right, Emily would think. She won't let me make bad decisions. She is me, after all. Emily sat across from her mother at the dinner table. A steaming plate of gooey casserole sat untouched in front of her. Um, may I be excused, she asked. Her mother set her napkin on her lap and said, Em... When I said I wanted to eat dinner together, it wasn't because I like watching you sulk. Eat something. Emily huffed, 
gathered up a cheesy bite and stuck it into her mouth. She pushed the food into her cheek, where it could be stored and spat out later. There, can I be excused now? Her mother set her fork on her plate and clasped her hands together. Your teacher phoned me today, she said, to express concerns for your health, as she put it. She told me she's worried I haven't been feeding you enough. Do you have any idea how embarrassing that was for me? Emily pushed her plate away and took out her phone. No phones at the table, her mother said, but Emily ignored her. Her feed was glittering with notifications for her latest photo, a selfie in a tight pink dress. People talk, you know, her mother said. I'm sure your teacher is talking already. Oh, they all pretend to be concerned about this and that, but in reality they're judging you, laughing at you. That trashy family, they're saying. Look at what a mess they are. Too poor to even afford food. Emily scrolled through her photos, basking in the likes and shares. A notification popped into view, and she saw that the cute boy from her French class had commented on her selfie. I'm just looking out for you, Em, her mother said. I know you've been improving yourself, and that's admirable, but I don't want you to go so far that you end up making us look bad. Emily smiled as she opened the notification, but her face fell when she saw that the boy had only commented with a skeleton emoji. I just want you to be happy, Em, her mother said. Emily looked up at her mother's arrogant, pitying smile, and something in her cracked. Stop calling me Em, she snapped. My name's Emily. The outburst shocked them both. Their charged silence gripped the room. The air itself seemed to become thin and cold, like pressure dropping before a storm. The mother's hands fell slowly to the table. I named you, she said, her voice straining under the effort to control herself. You wouldn't even have a name if it weren't for me. I can call you whatever I want. Emily's heart raced. Her hands felt cold, like she couldn't get enough blood in them. You always want to do that, she said. You never care about what I want. You don't even ask. I don't ask because I won't get any useful information. What would you say if I asked, what do you want? To sulk around all day in your room with your face buried in your phone? To yell at me just because I'm trying to do what's best for us? Rage and fear churned in Emily's blood. Her hands gripped the table. You're not looking out for us. You're only looking out for you. I'm not stupid, even if you think I am. You couldn't care less about me. Her mother tilted her head back and laughed. Oh, yes, that's why I spent hundreds of dollars on an antique mirror for your room. That's why I spent so much money on all those nice clothes you wanted. That's why I wasted an hour of my time to make dinner for you tonight, even after I've been working since six o'clock this morning. Emily slammed her fist onto the table. You're the reason I hate food. You made me feel bad about everything I've ever eaten. I thought if I got skinny, you'd be nice to me. But now you're worse than ever. Oh, so you're angry I made a few jokes? I knew you were oversensitive, but this takes the cake. No, I'm angry you treat me like dirt because you're jealous. You're jealous that I look good and you just look like an awful old bitch that you are. Her mother drew back like she'd been struck. Emily knew at once she'd crossed a line. A great gust of fear swirled through her. She felt dizzy and lightheaded. Her mother stood from her seat. Why on earth would I be jealous of a miserable, sniveling little brat like you? You think you're hot stuff now, but I know what you are really inside. You'll always, always be a fat little weak pig no matter what you look like. The words scorched Emily to her soul and she ran out of the room. She slammed her door shut and collapsed into loud, racking sobs. Pain gathered in her chest, the dull pressure she knew so well. This time it was accompanied by a feeling of tightness, like a great constricting snake had coiled around her heart. She lifted her head and squinted through tears into the mirror. Her reflection was staring back at her in confusion and sympathy its jowly cheeks sagging, its hair shining with grease, its rolls of body fat juddering with every movement. This is what I really am, she thought. 
This is what I'll always be. The reflection wrote with its oily finger, What wrong? Just leave me alone, Emily said between hiccuping sobs. The girl in the mirror kept writing. Her? Mother? She hates me, Emily moaned, and she's right to. I'm disgusting. I can help, the reflection wrote. What could you do to help me? Hungry, it wrote. Emily laughed bitterly. I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure dinner's ruined for tonight. The reflection shook its head. No, not usual dinner. What do you want, then? A soft knock at the door startled her. Her mother's voice came through softly. Em, can we talk? Em turned toward the reflection to tell her to wait, but the words written in the glass stopped her cold. Hungry for meat. The door opened and her mother stood in the doorway. Daylight was fading quickly and shadow had pooled into the depressions around her eyes and below her tense, quivering mouth. Oh, Em, I'm so very sorry. We sort of let things get out of hand there, didn't we? Emily stood up with difficulty. Her heart felt like it was sputtering in her chest, like a motor running out of fuel. She leaned against the desk for support and saw that something had changed in the reflection's face. No, not a face anymore, not exactly. It was something else. The mother stepped into the room, her white skirt undulating with a shadow as she moved. I shouldn't have said that just now, she said. It was a terrible thing to say, and I have no excuse. To be honest, I was just shocked by how much you sounded like me at your age. Emily gazed into the reflection's eyes, eyes that no longer resembled her own, eyes that had become warm pools of crimson red above a grinning, toothy maw, and she understood. In fact, I'm pretty sure I said the same thing to your grandmother just before I left home. Her mother continued, It's funny how these things work out. I swore I'd never be anything like her. I bet you've told yourself the same thing. Truth washed over Emily like a cold, cleansing rain. Yes, she understood now. She'd been hungry all her life, but not for food, no. She'd eaten to ease the pain of living, but all she had needed was one particular bite. I tried to make things different for you. I got us a home, so you would never know what it was like living out of a car... I bought us nice things so you wouldn't have to be embarrassed about bringing anyone over. It was all so obvious. Emily had wondered how she'd never seen it before. No matter, she knew what had to be done now, and that was enough. She touched her hand to the mirror and through the glass felt the warmth of the reflection's scaly claw on the other side. I tried to avoid the old trap, but it seems like I just found another way to fall into it. The mirror thing pulled away and, on its side of the glass, crept up behind the mother. Its teeth glinted like broken glass as its lipless mouth pulled open. I guess what your grandmother said just before she died's true. If you don't face your demons, you'll end up feeding them. The creature arched like a cobra and struck, sinking its teeth into the woman's throat. The mother's head snapped back and she was thrown backward against the wall. Her fingers shot to her neck, grasping at the invisible force that had suddenly constricted around her windpipe. The blood vessels burst in her eyes, coloring the whites of bright scarlet. She tried to scream, but could only squirt a wet gurgle from her crushed throat. The skin of her throat puckered and split in a jagged, bleeding line. The mirror creature wrenched its head back, and the flesh vanished in a puff of purple smoke. Blood gushed from the open wound. It sucked into her windpipe as she struggled to breathe and came up again pink and frothy. Emily tasted her mother's throat exploding into her mouth. Blood pumped over her tongue like juice from a ripe tomato. The reflection chewed and Emily tasted the soft, yielding meat. She threw her head back and laughed a wild, gleeful sound that was halfway to screaming. As her mother reached out for her and mouth, Help! Emily leaned down to laugh in her face. What's the matter, Mommy? she cried. It's just a joke. You're not too sensitive now, are you? Emily's heartbeat was wild, irregular. 
The tightness in her chest exploded into a blazing white fire. She was still laughing, severing the blood and meat, when her legs gave out from under her and she was swallowed in darkness. Later that night, the old man at the antique shop noticed, with mild surprise, that the mirror had returned to its usual spot on the wall. Oh my, he said, staring at it in the murky depth of his empty shop. You've come home early. He placed both hands in the frame and leaned his face toward the glass, as though he were dunking his head into a barrel of black water. Oh, I, I see, he said, staring wide-eyed into the unintelligible blackness. Well, that woman was awful. It served her right. Pity about the young girl, though, but not unexpected, given how weak her heart must have been at that level of undernourishment. He let go of the mirror and shuffled back behind the shop counter. Darkness pressed in on him and he wore it like a slithering robe. Not even moonlight touched him. Still, it seems that everyone got what they wanted, he said. All in all, a successful sale, I'd say. But no time to rest on our laurels, gentlemen. Another customer might arrive at any minute. His teeth were a pale yellow crescent as he sat behind his counter and smiled in the dark. I hope you enjoyed The Devouring Mirror by H.K. Reyes, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support him by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash h-k-reyes. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash h-k-reyes. Dash R E Y E S. While he calls the Upper Midwest his home, you can find his work at Creepypasta Stories, No Sleep on Reddit, and on his website, hkreyes.com, as well. Thanks again for supporting this program and tonight's featured author. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know how I avoid anything sneaking up on me in ancient cursed mirrors? I just never use the things. Sure, sometimes my hair doesn't look properly combed, and sometimes my shirt collars are a little crooked before I head out the door, but hey, at least I know my neck is still attached. Let's have a little sip of water here for a moment to help us cleanse the palate before we leap into our soup uh, slash salad combo, an endless assortment of deliciousness that brings us to a little horror by Brandon Wills. Ever just have a hankering that wouldn't go away no matter how hard you tried? Well, take a look when an unfortunate soul suddenly just can't get a grip on what he wants. But I warn you folks that you don't lose your lunch on this story. Without further ado, I present to you, There's Something Inside of Me. was once an ordinary man. My life was mundane and uneventful, and honestly, I loved it being that way. Parties and socializing terrified me. I've always been afraid to be in a large group of people, and I'm awkward to the point of it being painful. What I mean is that I become overstimulated, which births a panic attack, and eventually I vomit whatever I've eaten at the said event, which is rather embarrassing. Being alone suited me just fine. Believe it or not, I've been able to maintain relationships with the opposite sex. I've had several serious girlfriends, but none lasted six months. Eventually, they tire of staying home with me and watching movies or TV shows. 
They'll want to hang out with their friends and show me off to them, like some prized show dog, and then their friends are weirded out at how I stand around barely speaking. The woman will find some way to call it quits and move on to someone more suited to their social needs. That is, until I met Emma. Emma and I have been together for seven years now, and married for five of them. We've created a relationship that neither of us thought achievable, but both saw it out after in our dreams. She's like me in that she hates socializing, loves watching horror movies and TV shows, and has no desire to be anywhere without me. It's wonderful. One night I was awakened from sleep by a sudden horror of suffocation. I bolted upright in bed, clutching at my throat. Something was stuck in my throat, and it was crawling. I could feel its little feet slowly clawing individually down the fleshy tube. Each little movement felt like a tiny needle digging into me from the inside. I managed to wake Emma by slapping her in panic. What's going on? She said sleepily. It took a few moments for her brain to register that this was real and not some lucid nightmare. She screamed, Oh my God, Paul! as she wrapped her arms around my midsection and began to perform a very rough version of the Heimlich maneuver. One. Two. Three. Instead of bopping out of my mouth, whatever the thing was, fell into my stomach. I could feel the thing plop into the space and burrow itself into my stomach wall. I'm not sure how to describe what it felt like, but the pain was enough to make me double over in jaw-clenching agony. But strangely... Once the thing was done, I no longer felt pain. Paul, are you all right? She asked me repeatedly in her motherly way. I love how she cares about me and always makes sure that I'm okay. We both concluded it must have been the Chinese takeout we had for dinner, that maybe I'd vomited some of it up into my throat, where it became lodged and caused that bit of traumatic hell. Emma handled it with the tenderness of a sweet loving angel, making me feel completely safe and secure. About an hour later, I drifted back to sleep peacefully. The next day, I felt fine and decided to go to work. While at work, I can fake my way through any social situation with an occasional, wow, or that's crazy, and maybe even add a smile or a nod for good measure. Most of the day, though, I'm in my little cubicle by my lonesome. I answer my tickets promptly and call when needed, but otherwise, the ship stays afloat without me needing to leave my pod. As lunch approached, I found the hunger pains more intense than usual. That morning, I stopped at a convenience store to refuel the car and bought a breakfast sandwich and one of those pre-made bottled iced coffees that are way overpriced. I usually don't, but after the episode the night before that caused a lack of sleep, I needed something to kick me into gear. The clerk, an awkward-looking brunette girl, I probably would have fancied in my younger years, was nice enough to warm up the sandwich. That hadn't been enough to satiate my stomach. An hour before lunch, I was beginning to get sick-hungry, that feeling where you might pass out if you don't eat something soon. I dug through my desk, but uh, found no snacks. For lunch... I was going to walk across the street to the sub-restaurant to pick up the order I'd placed on my phone. I also scoured through my desk for any loose change, because our vending machines had yet to be upgraded to take cards, and they accepted cash only, like this was 1999. That's when I found something. It was a pencil that I kept stashed away for when I had to write something on a post-it note. My growling stomach told my brain, eat it. And so I did without any hesitation. I chomped into the wood like it was a damn chocolate bar, and holy crap, did it feel like I was eating one. My brain broke into that same endorphin rush that only the best candy bars can induce. Splinters of wood stabbed into my gums and the roof of my mouth, but it didn't hurt. No, I would say the sensation was nearly orgasmic. I chewed and chewed until the wood was down to the little metal nib where the eraser was, which I discovered is called the ferrule. 
I slowly removed a little pink chunk of rubber and popped it into my mouth like a gumball. I'm just thankful nobody walked by my cubicle while this was happening. It didn't stop there. When I made it home, Emma had gone to the grocery store. I searched around the refrigerator, the cabinets, and the dry goods cupboard, but found nothing appetizing. My mouth was dry, my stomach an earthquake of growling and tightness. That was when I locked my eyes on the kitchen sponge. It was still moist from Emma cleaning the dishes sometime earlier in the day. I picked it up and inhaled the scent of the menagerie of old food, crust, and probably bacteria it had wiped away during its lifetime. The odors drove my taste buds mad. I had to take a bite. My teeth sank into the juicy polyurethane, and my mouth flooded with dirty water. The sensors in my brain reacted as if I'd just taken a large gulp of an ice-cold soda on a hot day. I ripped a chunk off the sponge the same way one would do with a thick steak. I chewed the piece, wringing every drop of moisture from it before I swallowed it. I did this repeatedly until the last piece entered my increasingly content stomach. With that, my appetite would go back to normal. And this went on for over two weeks. I'd eat whatever my stomach suddenly decided it wanted to. From crayons to various paper products to a urinal cake, I glanced at it in the office restroom. Until the cravings began to change. One morning on my way to work, I was driving around a sharp curve when I noticed a dead squirrel lying on the road. My front right tire nearly hit it, but I was careful not to. I had plans for the deceased critter. Its death must have been painless, because once I pulled over and got out to examine it, I discovered its head was nothing but a mushy puddle on the road. I walked over to the carcass, and the cravings kicked in again. I squatted down to examine the poor creature and to say a short prayer, but then the smell of its blood and brains wafted up my nose, activating something in me. I saw a car coming in the other direction, so I scooped up the remains, wrapped them tightly in a plastic bag, and tucked them into my lunchbox. By the time I'd done this, the car had passed me moments before. I squatted down again at the spot where it died. I had to admit it, but I licked it. I licked the asphalt slowly but eagerly, like a child with a delicious lollipop. Bits of fur and body matter caked the inside of my mouth, but it was the blood I was craving. Another car came around the bend, forcing me to stop and jump back into my car. I wiped my mouth with napkins from a fast food joint and chugged coffee to get the smell off my breath. When that didn't work, I ate a handful of breath mints I had learned to keep handy from when those urges hit. At lunch that day, I hid in the bathroom with my newly found prize. It felt like Christmas Day as I unwrapped this precious little gift. My normal mind took a back seat as I devoured the little corpse with the voracity of a starving wolf. Once I'd eaten every piece of meat from the creature, I flushed the remains down the toilet, then washed off the aftermath in the sink. About thirty minutes later, someone walked by my cube while chatting with someone. It smelled like a friggin' corpse in there. Whoever did that needs to see a doctor ASAP. I had to cover my mouth to stifle the laugh that came out of me. I couldn't stop myself. This horrible new habit that I had to hide from everyone was making me insane. It was a tremendous effort to keep this from Emma. I couldn't let her find out, even if that meant lying to her. Having her even want to be around me was a miracle in and of itself, and if she found out about my dirty secret, I was afraid she'd leave me, for sure. Looking back, I don't think I laughed because I thought it was funny. I was laughing because I was terrified. It only continued to get worse from there. Roadkill satisfied those cravings for a time. The only ones that seemed to quench it for the longest time were the fresh ones that still had some blood left. I found myself intentionally swerving or speeding up to hit a rabbit, a snake, or even a bird if I had a chance. Birds were much more difficult to hit intentionally. I killed more in my driving history unintentionally than I ever did on purpose. The cravings were turning me into a feral beast 
hell-bent on doing anything possible to achieve satisfaction. I wondered if this is how junkies feel. The insatiable urge to curb the desire no matter what the cost. During this stage, there were a few times that Emma nearly caught me. I'd been eating a dead possum, off and on for an entire Saturday, hiding it inside the toilet tank in a plastic bag. I realized I hadn't thought of a way to dispose of it without her knowing. I tried to sneak outside, but she was stationary on the couch by the front door reading a new book. I couldn't dump it out the window because then there'd be questions about who left the animal carcass, and it could point back to me. In a panic, I decided to try to flush the bones. Luckily, the head had been obliterated by traffic, so all that I had to flush were the smaller bones. At least I thought that was going to be easy enough. The toilet began to back up and flood the bathroom. I began to yell obscenities and desperately tried to plunk the remains back down, but nothing was working. Emma heard the commotion and came in. What's going on? The damn toilet backed up. Oh, God, Paul. It smells like a corpse in here. What did you eat? It wasn't me. I think I, something got in the pipes and died. She did her best to help, but we were unsuccessful. When she proposed calling the landlord, I relented. They called a plumber who was at our apartment within a few hours. I'll be damned. Not the first time I've seen this, but it's not very common. Looks like you got a dead rat, a raccoon or something, that got into the sewer pipes and drowned. Looks like a big bastard, too. The plumber told us, laughing at his observation. <laughs> no kidding, I thought. The carpet had to be replaced, but the wood underneath appeared okay, according to the landlord. They were nice enough not to charge us anything for the accident. Emma never questioned what the plumber concluded, and we went on with our lives. I, on the other hand, was turning into something that could have only existed in my nightmares before the choking incident. Cravings turned from occasional running things over to me actively looking for small animals to kill. One evening, after I had to work overtime to fix a major system-wide problem, I stumbled across the annoying orange cat that we'd nicknamed Fatty. Fatty was a very well-fed cat that had a habit of climbing onto the cars into the parking lot and leaving his little paw prints as evidence. His little paw prints that also can, with his little claws, scratch your paint. That evening, Fatty jumped onto my hood as soon as I parked. Already annoyed at the day, I jumped out to shoo him away, but instead, he plopped his fat behind down and just stared at me. He was definitely taunting me. Ha ha, you idiot. I run this place and you happen to live in it. Go away so I can ruin the paint on your car with my tiny claws. I yanked Fatty by the scruff and was met with swinging claws and growling. I remembered that I'd forgotten to leave my box cutter at work. After retrieving the box cutter from my pants pocket, I dispatched the troublesome Fatty. That wasn't all. Once I smelled the blood, the cravings intensified. I lapped the pouring blood from Fatty's neck, much like a cat would drink water. Oh, it was glorious. I felt satisfied that Fatty would no longer mess up our vehicles, but I was also relieved by my feeding. I retrieved the plastic bag, which I always kept handy lately, rolled up Fatty nice and tight, and then hit him in my lunchbox. I ate him for a late-night snack and lunch the following day. The odd snacking still occurs. Sometimes I'll drink liquid paper, eat the stuffing from chairs, and even drink glass cleaner. How all this stuff hasn't killed me, I'll, I'll never know. Whatever triggers my hunger, I can't say no. I physically can't stop myself. It had become a full-blown addiction. I was tracking down a stray dog when a homeless man grabbed me by the sleeve. Hey, mister, you got five bucks to spare? His breath had the rank smell of cheap vodka and tooth decay. He didn't appear to have bathed for months, maybe even years. Poor fellow didn't expect me to pounce on him and tear at his jugular with my teeth. He was the first... Things have not been so simple since that started. 
Sure, I still get the urge to consume manufactured products and the occasional roadkill. But when the craving for meat hits, I try to stay away from other people. I do everything I can not to do it. The only thing I could think to do was fully restrain myself, which is where I'm going with this. The last and final straw hit me last night. Emma and I were watching one of our favorite paranormal shows when we decided it was time for bed. We made love and just laid there in the bliss of it. I rolled over and noticed that she had a scab on her leg from shaving. I picked at it and she winced. Careful. I decided to shave my Sasquatch legs finally. Did you notice? No, just did. Are you okay? She noticed that I was trembling. My muscles began to tighten and sweat began to flow from every pore. I excused myself and went to the bathroom. She knocked on the door to check on me again. I told her I was fine. I came out 30 minutes later and she was asleep. Thank God. Thank whatever God is up there that I could get out of there. I went to the kitchen and ate an entire pack of raw hamburger meat to at least drive down the intensity. After sneaking out the front door and down to my car, I began to cry. No, no, please God, not her. Anyone but her. I can't. I just can't. I started thinking about ways to end my life. I concluded it was the only way to stop this unbearable condition once and for all. I don't own a gun, but I have several large knives that I've collected since I was a teenager. But that sounded like it would be too traumatic. What if Emma found me like that? I couldn't just leave her. I waited for her my entire life, and I'd leave her in such a cowardly act. I knew from my experiences that pills or other chemicals would probably not affect me in the same way as an ordinary person. What else could I do? I thought of one other way. I'm turning myself in. Over the last two years, I've killed and partially consumed 14 people across three neighboring states. Emma will not be one of them. I can't hide this anymore, and she will not become another victim of this never-ending madness. I don't know how I've managed to keep this up for so long. I suppose it was the desire not to lose her that kept me going. Emma, if you're reading or listening to this, I hope you know how much I love you. There's something inside of me that I can't stop, that I can't control, and I don't believe I can ever truly be rid of it. If I catch a certain smell of you, I don't know if I can escape before it takes hold. I can't risk it. I hope you find happiness again, and I hope you find someone better. This wasn't your fault. This was that thing that crawled into my mouth that fateful night. I hope you find someone who doesn't turn into a cannibalistic monster. I hope you enjoyed There's Something Inside of Me by Brandon Wills, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, well, you can help support him by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash Brandon dash Wills. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash B-R-A-N-D-O-N dash W-I-L-L-S. Don't forget to check out his collection of stories from earlier this year. The Ouija board said it was hungry and other stories. And, of course, his work's available for viewing on creepypastastories.com. Thanks again for your support of this program and tonight's featured author. If you've enjoyed what you've heard tonight, I'd like to remind you one last time that all of tonight's featured authors can be found by visiting our website. Thanks again for your support of this show and for all of tonight's featured authors. Now, again, before we go... I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me on this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts 
and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended version of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Gyrie channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search for Otis Gyrie. Stay tuned as the season is just getting started. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep, if you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name, and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.